The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk Radio Show. Tuesday morning, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame should be calling in a little bit. Uh, we have a lot, lot, lot to talk about today. NFL, uh, the uh, World Series, NBA basketball starting this evening, which I'm very excited about. And studio, Deborah Debris. Deborah, how's the weekend? How's everything going? Uh, good. Lots of work and getting ready to go out of town again. So Myrtle Beach? Myrtle Beach. Yeah? Eight days this time. I'm going to take a few days to, yeah, uh, have to hang out by the ocean, and then uh, the rest of it I'll be sequestered in a high-level mastermind. So, yeah? Yeah, it'll yeah. be fun. Spoke last week at a group, which was great. Got a good, uh, a lot of good comments about that. So, And I've got uh, November 22nd, I'm going to be speaking at uh, Club E. So if anybody wants to come... Uh, it's at seven thirty, seven thirty to nine in the morning, and uh, it's free. So, and where is that? Show up, take advantage. Over at Sky Song. So it's a meetup group. Just go out and check out uh, Club E, and you'll be able to find it. Yeah, you need to get a timeshare for for Royal Beach. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, I'm actually sharing one. With, yeah, we've got like five bedrooms and beachfront and all that. So that's awesome. Nice balcony. Good stuff. Well, uh, we need to start with the NFL. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy weekend. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams starting to jockey for position. As I said last week, the New York Giants and I got gawked at. The New York Giants are only two games out of first at two and six in uh, in their division, which is crazy to me. Uh, probably the game of the week though was the Dallas Cowboys and uh, Detroit Lions. A mm-hmm. uh, very very interesting game for both teams. You know they're both trying to hold on to their positions in their respective divisions, and it was a shootout, old gunslinger shootout. Matt Stafford finally showed that. He still is able to do what everybody thought he was able to do coming out of Georgia, coming out of college. And Calvin Johnson reminded everybody how much of a freak of nature he really is and how amazing a receiver he is. Uh, 328 yards receiving, second most all-time. I believe uh, Eighty. it was either 86 or 89 was the only time in NFL history that a uh, receiver had more receiving yards in one game. It, it intrigues me that he only had one touchdown. He did have a ninety, I believe, a nine, uh, uh, close to a ninety-yard reception, and then one that almost matched that. Uh, but let's talk about the last play of the game. So, fifty seconds left. Detroit's got the ball on their own twenty. March all the way down the field. Des Bryant's going nuts on the sidelines when their team's winning. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, you know, it, they get down to the goal line, and instead of spiking the ball like any normal team might do so they could set up a play to, to try and win the game, Matt Stafford has a quick hike, jumps the ball, uh, puts the ball over the goal line, they win the game, and they ride off into the sunset. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, Jim Swartz might have saved his job with this, with this win. Uh, they've always had the talent, and with Reg- the addition of Reggie Bush and their defense is starting to come back a little bit, this team could be a formidable opponent. It's just there's so many good teams in the NFC that 
The playoff picture is not even close to becoming clear yet. And, you know, with this kind of win, it shows it shows the gusto that uh, Matt Stafford has as a leader. And uh, with Calvin Johnson, it, it, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. Well, plus, he's thinking outside the box. I mean, to make a play that nobody expected or that nobody, you know, uh, a norm, like you said, a normal team would do. Um, I love the creativity and the fact that he was willing to take a risk and go for it. I mean, either play would have been a risk, whether he would have spiked it and gone for it or did the play uh, – you know, took the risk that he did, but uh, good for him. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting dynamic throughout the game, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, now let's talk about Des Bryant really briefly. I don't want to talk too much about this. In my opinion, I don't really think that what he was doing was insanely wrong. I think that he is just very, very passionate and hasn't learned how to hone in it, hone it in yet. Uh, not everybody's going to be like Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. That will just they know they're the best player on the field at any given time. However, they don't need to tell anybody because they do it through their actions. And Des Bryant is he's becoming the new young hot top gun uh receiver in the NFL. But after his comments saying that he can match up with Calvin Johnson, blah 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 blah, you can talk and then you can just be Calvin Johnson and just tear it up on the field and not need to say anything. With him yelling, you know, at the coaches and at Jason Witten, I just feel like he cares so much, and I think he's starting to realize that what he did when he came into the league was problematic, and I think he's working on that off the field because we haven't heard much from him since in that regard. But on the field, he's just so he wants to win so bad, and he just this is the way that he shows it in the, in the heat of the moment as of now. He's still a kid, so you have to go through these growing pains, and, and I think that in, in the big lights of Dallas, it, it's even more under a microscope. I, but I think he'll be fine. I just think this was, and people won't remember this two weeks from now. You know, it's not like he punched one of his teammates or something. I mean, this this is something in the heat of the battle that with TVs all around you, this is going to come up on TV and people aren't going to understand why it's happening. Well, and I agree. I mean, I love the fact that he has that much passion and that he was showing it, obviously. Uh, I think the timing was bad, that at this point in time, where he took the focus off of the game and what should have been focused on and put it on himself. But at the same time, when I looked at the films and you could see, you know, Des going off and uh, um, DeMarcus Ware coming over trying to calm things down and things like that, I looked around and you could see a bunch of other players and as well as the coaches standing there with just dumbfounded looks on, on their face. And my question was, where was their passion? They should have been a little more passionate about the game and trying to figure out what are we going to do to to win this thing. Yeah, I, I I think that people show passion in different ways. A lot of times it's on the field. A lot of times it's with within the huddle that we that we as uh, spectators don't see. There's a lot that goes on in the huddle that yeah, we don't well, know about. I, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I mean, in I, that, and we'll never know that unless right. you get mic'd up, and that stuff doesn't really. That's more mm-hmm. of a gimmick than anything because people know that they're on a microphone, so they say and right. do specific things that they wouldn't maybe necessarily do. The interesting part is uh, the interviews by Dion and Michael Irvin afterwards as well. He, these both these guys are in Des Bryant's corner, and they both said that he did nothing wrong. You know, yes, maybe he did it in the wrong way, or he didn't he didn't guide it in the right direction, but they backed him up a hundred percent. And Dion got Des Bryant in trouble uh, when he was in college, so I, I don't. I think maybe Dion owes uh, Des something <laughs> after him not being able to play a certain amount of games in college. I, I mean, I, I think there's room for this in the NFL, but I think it does need to be honed. And I think right. with Jason Witten, who's you know an upstanding, he's never really caused a ruckus anywhere. He just went out and played his game. Mm-hmm. One of the best tight ends in, in recent history. 
I just think that it's it's a clash of it's a clash of generations, and, and this is just this is just what happens, and it, it they'll get over it, this will get blown over, and it won't be a big deal after all. Well, and I know we've talked in the past about some of the quarterbacks and stuff, and the way that they show their passion on and off the field, and you know some of the guys, though, you know Peyton Manning, he'll go over to his guys and he'll talk to them and be in their face, but he'll be speaking with them, not yelling at them. And then you can see him when he goes off camera, that's when he gets ticked off and upset. So he does it on his own time and not in their face. Do you think there's a direct correlation between that and how many playoff wins he has? Do you think that if you don't instill dominance during the regular season that you Mm -hmm. won't be looked at as dominant in the playoffs? Numbers are numbers, but when you're in the huddle, as we uh, previously Mm -hmm. mentioned, I think that I think that there is some sort of connection between the two. With Tom Brady, and we talked mm. about this in week two or week mm. three or whatever, right. when when he was yelling at his young receivers, I think that there's no question as to how much Tom Brady leads that team. And I mean, if there was, if there wasn't before, I'm just saying, like with these young guys, they need somebody to look up to on the field, and he's always been it. So when he's yelling at these guys, I think that especially in the brutally testosterone-driven game that the NFL is over, mm. over the other major league sports, that I think it's necessary. I, th- I don't think you can sit down and talk to guys, maybe not on game day, maybe Tuesday through Saturday or Wednesday through Saturday, but on game day, if you need to be held accountable for you not doing your job. And I think Tom Brady did that to a T, and I backed him up when he did yell at those guys. It, they don't care about the media looking at them. They're trying to win these oh, games. Oh, they don't even know the media's around. Right. I mean, they're in the moment. If they're, if they're actually playing the game, they're in the moment. Um, and, you know, I agree. I mean, I love the passion. I love uh, the fact that, you know, sometimes fear motivates. So I don't mind instilling fear in people, but you also have to know and understand the people that you're working with. You should know your squad, whether you're offense, defense, or special teams. You've got to know your guys well enough to know how they are going to respond to um, your form of um, delivering your passion. You know, some guys will respond whenever you get in their face and you're screaming at them, and that works for them. Other guys, it feels like it's, it's degrading, it'll take them down. So you've got to have at least enough knowledge of your guys to know what's going to you know, push them. Yeah, but that's, it's not the first time that anybody's yelled at them. If you're playing, ba- if you're playing football, it's, Absolutely. Again, testosterone, the yelling happens. I mean, it happens from Pop it's, Warner. It's part of coaching. Yeah, Pop Warner with yeah. your parents fighting in the stands to mm-hmm. high school where you're trying to get into college and then college where you're trying to make it to the pros. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've been held accountable since age four. So I don't know why it would change and why well, getting and yelled at in the NFL would not the thing, would matter. There's a difference between yelling and degrading. I can get in somebody's face and yell at them without degrading them. So it depends on it. Again, it's there's no. I don't and think there's any one answer to it. I agree with the passion. I agree there's got to be fire, um, and I think you've got to know your team enough to your you know your team that you're working with within your larger team to know how to motivate them. Well, and I think that with guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, they know not to degrade people. We don't know what they're saying on this. Right, lines. we don't. So, we, I mean, it's, it, it, I believe that it's all motivational and it's mm. not degrading, but that's, that's just me. That's just my opinion. Right. Uh, Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints. These two teams have had uh, interesting past few years, past couple years, uh, with, you know, with Bounty Gate and all the things with New Orleans and Green Bay not really living up to potential. These two teams uh, look like the front runners coming out of the coming out of uh, the NFC, in my opinion. I know S- Seattle uh, has a great defense. They have a, they have a great run game. St. Louis shut them down last night. They ended up winning because St. Louis is, is, uh, is a weak team at best. Uh, Russell Wilson was forced to throw the ball last night. 
They stacked eight in the box to stop Marshawn Lynch. And it's interesting to see that Russell Wilson, when being told, hey, you have to throw the ball by the defense, they were one broken play away from losing this game with Golden Tate's 80-yard touchdown catch. So it'll be interesting to see when it comes down to it if the defense can hold uh, can hold for hold on for Seattle and allow Seattle to advance with Russell Wilson being at the helm. I see a lot of other defenses taking what Seattle did last night and putting into action and making Marshawn Lynch uh, a non-factor and making Russell Wilson throw the ball to a receiving core that is lacking. So with them, I I, I don't see them coming out of out of the East. San Francisco is you know it, it, nobody knows at this point. Colin Kaepernick is turning into a midseason form now. He he had a he had a tough uh, tough start to the year. Yeah, take tough away, few weeks. Yeah, yeah takeaway uh, week one against Green Bay where where he blew up. Uh, it, I really think that offensive driven teams will be the ones coming out of the East. Green Bay, New Orleans, I think are the two front runners. With Green Bay, with just Jordy Nelson. And now Eddie Lacy coming out of Alabama as a rookie. They look like a very, very balanced team, again, with young receivers like Tom Brady has. But Jordy Nelson is putting himself in the conversation as a top five, top seven receiver in this league. And when healthy, I I truly believe that he is. New Orleans, you know... It, it might this, be fool's is this gold. a comeback year for it, them it, after it you know the coaches it, are back. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense that one that a coach changes things. I don't even know mm-hmm. if it, I mean it's maybe maybe they got freaked out by the huge uh, picture of him on the wall when he was <laughs> gone for a year in the practice facility. Well, but it's I, a coach quarterback quarterback as we talked about the fact that now the quarterback had to you know almost be part of the coaching team, um, and it changes the dynamic whenever he doesn't have some his go to guy. Yeah, uh, and then with Pierre Thomas coming back and being healthy, uh, Jimmy Graham is healthy. It's it'll be really interesting to see what they do in week twelve, week thirteen. If they haven't already clinched a playoff spot, if they're trying to go for the best overall record uh, in the NFC, you know, it. I, I I'm looking at those two teams as the ones that will come out of out of the NFC. So I mean, we'll see what happens. There are so many, so many subplots and so many just great storylines in the NFL this year. Cardinals 27-13 over the Falcons. Finally, I see what Bruce Arians' vision is. You know, uh, Carson Palmer, he, he threw a really, really bad interception and then comes back and throws for 140 yards and two touchdowns afterwards. Uh, Michael Floyd cut a touchdown patch, which was good. You know, we need some more uh, production from guys that aren't named Larry Fitzgerald, and Fitz hasn't been putting up any production either. But the main star of this game was Andre Ellington, 150 plus yards rushing. He he showed that any team with a good running game has a chance to win every game. And what's been lacking with the Cardinals over you know forever has been an offensive line that can block for these quick running backs that they've had. They have five running backs on the on the roster, and now Andre Ellington might have. Supplanted himself, planted himself, supplanted, might have cemented himself as being the number one back. And he's so electric and he's so quick and he's got great hands coming out of the backfield. So if they can produce like that, I'm, we're not asking for you know upwards of 200 yards per game on the ground. But if you can get over 100 yards rushing per game by committee, this this team really could could, could make some noise. Maybe not this year because of how dominant uh, Seattle and San Francisco has been thus far. 
But it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, well, what do you think about Fitz? I mean, they're talking about, I mean, it seems like I, I've heard comments about that they were changing how he was playing, how he played the game, and that he was struggling a bit with that. And then now there's all these rumors about possible trade. Yeah, I think that in any new scheme with a new quarterback, mm-hmm. doing those two things at one time where the, where the quarterback doesn't come from the scheme, right. uh, it, it's going to be difficult for the receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with no production from the tight end, it's gonna it's wideouts and it's and it's slot receivers and until this week there's been no running game so all you have to do is double team Larry Fitzgerald and he's out right. of his element I mean right. you can't be uh, you can't be a prolific receiver no matter how good you are in that in that setup these these defensive players are too good and too quick and too smart to allow that allow you to uh, get through the cracks I mean he did. He was wide open in the end zone uh, yesterday or uh, Sunday for his touchdown catch, but that was all set up by the run. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. With regards to the trade bait, I mean, I I I can see it as him saying I don't want to be traded, which I'm sure he said. Right. He's a consummate professional. He wants to retire a well, cardinal. And I his understand that. Sons here. Are that kind of yeah, stuff I mean, close well, by. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's been here. He's been here since day one, obviously. And but that's it, also a lot of money. If, if that he, they can buy other players. If yeah. if he gets offered a trade to, I, I don't know, Green Bay or New England or something like that where he can go win, I think that he's done enough. We talked about this about Adrian Peterson last week. How much does a player have to do before you say goodbye and say thank you and say go win somewhere? Was this a Steve Nash type scenario? Well, st- oh, that, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Deborah. Um, that's okay. Just bringing up the Lakers. Yeah, yeah that's okay. We'll that's, do it later. Well, that'll go in the down and dirty segment now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, you know what? It's I don't think he'll be traded. Uh, I think that Arizona is starting to get the pieces around him that can allow them to uh, uh, compete within the next two or three years, at least for a playoff spot. Uh, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I well, really hopefully don't. he and uh, Coach sit down and have a conversation and get it worked out, whatever it might be, so that they can maybe utilize him a little bit better along with the other receivers in order to uh, keep the winning streak going, winning of one. One, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and it's awful. Every time, they, every time they have this, these staple wins, both Seattle and mm. uh, San Francisco win, so they don't really gain any ground. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. This is the first time I've been excited. I've only been in Arizona for three and a half years now, but mm-hmm. I this is the first time I'm excited to watch the Cardinals. You know, it's it's exciting. There's there's new life brought into this team through Bruce Arians and and Carson Palmer is definitely serviceable. I mean, he's a top twenty uh, quarterback in my opinion. Uh, and you know, you have Fitz, you have this young receiving, uh, young running back core, young receiving core. The defense is like great. Uh, four interceptions on Matt Ryan, which is which is um. I mean, and I'm not saying it's difficult to do. He has two or three of these games every year where he throws. Well, Calais throws Campbell is always fun to watch. Yeah, you Darryl know he's got to come up with something. Right, and Darrell Washington had a great interception, yeah. which which kind of turned the tides on Sunday. So you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. And um, I mean, that that's all we can say about Arizona Cardinals right now. Uh, I want to switch over to Major League Baseball. Uh, I've the, heard of it. Yeah, the, the Red Sox. <laughs> Red Sox are up three two in, in the World Series. They won four two last night. Uh, this has been a very very exciting World Series. Uh, I'm excited to say that. It's um, it's interesting to me that and we talked about this off air that when one of these two teams make it 
uh, far in 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 the major league playoffs, major league baseball playoffs. They seem to be the destined team. You know, they traded Boston traded away their uh, their salary, their their, uh, their payroll. Uh, Josh Beckett, Carl Crawford, and uh, now they come through. They went from worst to first this year. Right? <laughs> Everybody said that. I'm sorry if that's cliche. That was uh, good, though. I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> and um, the Cardinals have just always done this. There's no rhyme or reason to why there's magic in St. Louis, especially towards the end of each baseball year. But with two destined teams playing in the World Series, who, which one wins? You know, with the obstruction call uh, against Boston a couple games ago, you know, people always get on refs' cases, or refs' umpires' cases umpires, for yeah. not for calling this in in the first inning or the first quarter and not at the end of the game. Kudos to them for making this call. Right. And you know, I'm a Red Sox fan. I just I I wouldn't want them to win in a way that the umpire had a say in who won or lost right. the game uh, in a bad context. This the Jim Joyce made the call right after it happened, and it was a fair call. call. It was a fair call. Yeah. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Game Six, going back to Boston. I don't see St. Louis winning Game Six. I think that with the with the amount of huge plays, huge hits, huge home runs that Boston has has had through the series so far, I just feel like the momentum is so far out of reach for St. Louis that 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 was pretty much a death sentence for them losing Game Five. So it'll really be interesting. Uh, you know. They have Mr. Walker coming up in Game 6, this rookie that is pitched out of his mind in the playoffs. He's putting up numbers that maybe nobody ever has, ever. And they, uh, you know, I don't want either of these teams to lose. I don't. I kind of wish that St. Louis was playing the Yankees or that, you know, Boston was playing the Dodgers or something. So there would be some sort of, it would be a a bipolar. uh, Well, you either root for somebody or against somebody else. else. I'm I'm rooting for both. Yeah. Well, it makes it good to watch, you know, even people who aren't necessarily interested in baseball. When you have that that uh, level of play, then uh, people want to tune in. <sighs> I, you know what? I couldn't agree more. I, and I forgot to talk about this when we were talking about the NFL. Brandon Merriweather, mm-hmm. um, Washington defensive back, comes out today after getting suspended for the helmet-to-helmet hit on Brandon Marshall twice in one game. He comes out and says, well, I guess I'm going to have to go for people's knees now. Uh I mean, it, it's funny because it, it's, it's kind of a flipping the bird to whatever suit or Roger Goodell or whoever uh, whoever fined him or suspended him. I, I there's no there's we talked about Des Bryant before about the passion and everything. I'm sure that Brandon Merriweather is very passionate, but there's no room for this in sports. Nadamik well, Sue, he acts like an a hole on, on the on the field, but he never says, "Okay, well, I'm going to tear your ACL now." He he just. It, but the comments that I heard, I didn't hear him say, I'm going to go out there and rip somebody's ACL. I heard him say, then I'm going to go low. You know, basically, he's saying what everybody else is saying, is that if I can't, if I do this, and they're going to find me, if I go high and I do helmet to helmet because somebody else ducks their head as they're coming at me, then I got to start going low. And the result of that is that it's going to start taking knees out, it's going to take ACLs out, it's going to just, you know screw other players up so they can't you know they can't finish the season or next season well there are tackles every play so most people tackle correctly and i understand where, where the receiver right. lowers the head and there's the defense's receiver and all the things coming across the middle it's very hairy there because that's always been one of the most uh scary and violent plays in the nfl is right. the receiver coming across the middle i just don't know if this is 
if you didn't already have a target on your back, now you have two. So I don't understand what the end game is for him when he says mm. this. I mean, it, again, it could be flipping off uh, whomever uh, just to say the rules are unfair and whatnot. But for player safety, you know, and, and Kwame and I go back and forth all the time about this, that either you want to be safe and want to be able to walk after, the, after you're done playing right. football or you want to look even more like a man on the field so right. you can just hit anybody any which way. I don't really understand which one's going to win, but Roger Goodell seemingly will always win. So I, making these comments, I don't believe it didn't really help, help him. anybody. And it, didn't, it probably didn't help his teammates either because when you've got, you know, you put a target on your back, you can be putting a target on the rest of your teams as well. I just and it was, I, guess, I guess part of it, whenever I heard the actual delivery of it, I didn't hear it as coming across arrogant or angry or anything like that. It sounded more like a statement that he was making. Just well, matter if of I fact. Can, yeah, if I can't do this, then i got to go low. And if I go low, then it's going to hit the ACL, you know? I, I, I mean, believe, kind of, it kind of is a fact. I believe we have uh, our celebrity hotline here. Kwame Lasseter? Who else coming? Who's the celebrity? Uh, old De- I was just talking to Deborah. I, I didn't know you were on the line. <laughs> uh, Kwame, we're talking about Brandon Merriweather. What do you think about his comments about going low instead of uh, it, 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 with response to his uh, suspension for helmet-to-helmet hit on Brandon Marshall? No, I understand what, he's, what he means when he says that uh, enough is enough as far as the fine is going, but time, you know, change takes time. He, he's been taught to play that way aggressively to separate the receiver from the ball. Um, I don't, I, I, I really, in my entire DNA, I don't think any athlete say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to end your career. But things are about to start happening with these uh, NFL players because Roger Goodell and the rule change. And I know the rule change is for the NFL to be seen going a distance and protecting these players, and, and that's why you have this fine. We watched James Harrison three, two or three years ago get fined an enormous amount of money every week, and that's the way he played. And a lot of that stuff he couldn't control. We looked at Dominic Sue two weeks ago make a play but his background said he was being aggressive and dirty. And we all agreed that that wasn't a dirty play. That was just a regular football play. But to, but to protect the um, players, uh, the referees have been told by the NFL, by the commissioner, to throw the flag in a way we'll sort it out later. Because you can see a guy like uh, Brandon Merriweather get suspended two games, then you got to go look at the film. And it's supposed to be looked at films by guys who played the game and played the position. Uh, so they should have tons of guys in there with different opinions but they should have uh, guys in there who play different positions who can say a real instinctive move uh, could be avoided or couldn't be avoided. So what he's about to do is go low. And I think he may get hurt before he try to hurt somebody else just trying to go low. No one has intentions to go low. That happens at the instinct. That's not even a thought you, you have. It happens on the instance of a play. But if you're targeting guys to go and, and saying you're going to go low, you're probably going to hurt yourself because you're trying to position yourself to do it now. Yeah, so do you think, say hypothetically speaking, that after he hit Brandon Marshall the second time, he got up like at the end of the game, they interviewed him, he's like, listen, it was a bad play, my apologies, I didn't mean to hit him uh, helmet to helmet again. Uh, do you think that he would still have been suspended? Like, do you think that if it's understood that that was a dirty play, like, it, that the uh, league office thought that was a dirty play, if he acknowledged that, do you think that there would still be suspensions held down? Because his two game got cut back to one game as it was. So do you think if he acknowledged it, said, I don't want to do, I, I didn't mean to do that, do you think that he would have still got suspended? That's a good question, but he's a, he's a football player, and he's, he's a taught defensive player, actually, taught to be aggressive, uh, fearless. Uh, but if he shows some remorse, 
Uh, I think the, the suspension would have been lightened. I don't know if he would have missed no games. He definitely would have been fine, but he would have been playing the next week. Uh, but you have to show remorse. If you, if you can say, I'm trying to abide by these rules, but the level I go in, this guy's already zeroing in on Brandon Marshall's chest. Brandon Marshall, duck, Brandon Marshall ducks. Uh, and then you have a head-to-head. And the helmets there has always been, in my opinion, was to protect incidental contact. Uh, I, I've seen... Back in the day, before I even was playing, uh, it used as a spear. Um, but, you know, those guys are no longer with us. And to protect the game, this is what Roger Goodell is trying to do. I'm not a Roger Goodell fan at all. You're not? <laughs> it's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> but this guy, uh, you know, and then you guys got to understand, time, uh, change takes time. At the same time, don't teach me how to play football a certain way. Then change the rules on me. Then punish me for it. So do you think that... Uh, the new NFL might have guidelines that can be followed by high school and college football to where they're ready to play this new form of football? Or do you think that the rules will change again by the time that those high school kids get the pros anyways, when the ones who make it? Rules going to be forever changing. It depends on who will benefit. But the NFL wants to stick around because this sport can actually be uh, non-televised. This sport can, will be banned, really. Um, if these type of incidents continue to happen, the NFL wants to get reach the high school kids so they play differently. So when they get to college, they're already in that mode. Now you can still promote the game on a national level or at a professional level. But if, if you leave the NFL the way it is, this game will no longer be played. No one will allow these guys to go out there and be barbaric. Uh, we're not in, this is not Spartans and the Trojans. It's not going to happen because uh, <laughs> of the, of the, <laughs> the life or the health reasons of uh, those guys out there playing. Um, and that's why people haven't really connected the draft to why you got to have a draft every year and you may get a guy at the same position. Sometimes it don't work out, but if you have time to mold these guys, I know we talked about uh, on the show guys coming out early, maybe a high school guy. If you got a high school guy that can come out early and you can sit him on the bench for two or three years till he mature, then if you, you look at these guys as, while we have a draft every year, it's all business. I look at the NFL and I see a billion dollar business, and I'm not even mad at that. They they doing what they allowed to do. They they allowed to be uh, a business and make money off it. But if they don't change the rules, then no one's going to watch football, or they won't be anyone to play football. Yeah, not, that's, oh. that's a good point. Uh, we we got to take a break. Uh, Kwame Lasser, sports like Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in the studio. We have Kwame on the phone. We'll be back in about ninety seconds. flagship station for sports voice america sports hi i'm joe swedish ceo of wellpoint we proudly support the march of dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the united states though premature births have recently declined still half a million babies are born too soon each year we're helping the march of dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives Please visit MarchOfDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Have Kwame Lasseter on the phone. We were just talking about potential rule changes in the NFL. I do, Kwame, want to ask you about your take on the Cardinals game real quick, 27-13 win over the Falcons. Um, what do you think? I think it was the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons, is that's my surprise team for the year. I didn't expect them to be this bad. Horrible. Then you asked Tony Gonzalez, uh, the Hall of Famer, to come back. Hey, the decision was here, to come back or not. But at this point, I'm thinking, uh, and I get to the Cardinals, I heard your question. Uh, Gonzalez you got to find somewhere to place him so he has a chance to win a Super that's a That's one of those guys, and we always we have those as fans, guys that say, man, I wish he deserved a ring. He deserves a ring. I wish he'd get one. Dan Marino brings, comes to mind uh, while he was playing. I'm talking about their athletic career, not their personal and all that other stuff. But they just happen to seem to be good guys. Arizona Connors, uh, regardless of who they line up again, that team had to show up, and those were grown men doing a job, a professional job. That was a great win for them, and I think – what, what took place in that game was what we haven't seen in a while, which they established a running game. You come in and the running back uh, looks great. Uh, he looks good. He was able to um, sustain second and third downs. Uh, it was second and short a lot of times. They were able to get third down. When you run the football, that opens up a lot of things for the pass. Uh, not only Fitzgerald, even if you try to double-team Fitz, those guys, were, um, those guys were open. We saw a lot of guys make plays for them uh, from the tight end position, from the running back position. Uh, we, we looked at the receiving core outside of Fitzgerald making plays, getting in the end zone, scoring. That's the kind of football you're supposed to play. You take pressure off each one another, offensively, defensively, and special teams. I thought the Cardinals special teams have always been there. Their defense has always been there. When it looks like they haven't been there, they've been stopping teams for six weeks, and then on the seventh week, you know, they get blown out. But it's only so long you can sustain that. You would like to be that team that could do that all year. Uh, not even the... Uh, I wouldn't say some of the great teams like uh, the Chicago Bears, 85, or Baltimore Ravens. What was that, 2000? Mm-hmm. 2000. 2000. But, you know, those guys had their ups and downs. But they had some leaders on their offense. They had some leaders. They had a, a team full of leaders on their defense. And, I, and I, I don't see that with the Arizona Cardinals. I see leaders on the offense, but I don't see any, any bullies. And, and by bullies, I mean... You you show up to play. You don't have to say a word. You show up to play, or we're gonna have some problems outside of this. Uh, and when we get back to the locker room, 
and not, not the locker room on game day, but at home when we're watching film. And the problem is just calling guys out, not any physical nonsense, but just calling guys out and hold them accountable to do their job. You have to be accountable uh, to be successful when everybody's out there has a role to play. There's 11 guys on the field at a time on one, on one um, side of the football. You have to be accountable. I have to trust you to do your job so I don't have to worry about that. If i got to worry about that, then I'm not doing my job and I don't trust you now. Yeah, so, so it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the blogs I wrote recently was that uh, Larry Fitzgerald was voted Forbes' most liked uh, NFL mm-hmm. player. I And I wrote that I don't think that's a good thing for the Cardinals. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is the consummate professional. We understand that there's nothing wrong with him as a professional at all. My only question would be, what if he had a little Des Bryant in him? What if he had a little, I don't know what he does in the locker room, and I'm not bad-mouthing the, the Arizona Cardinals franchise player. I'm just asking, what if he had a little more gusto than he does? Like, I, it, like, I don't think anybody would like him. Uh, Des Bryant. Uh, I'm not talking about Des Bryant all the way. I'm just saying like something a little bit more, a little fire in the, in the, uh, in the huddle or trying to, like I don't really see him a lot of times do anything but just, you know, run off the field, run on the field, run off, the, like, like I mean, just, right. I, I just don't, yeah, I just don't, little, I don't know. I know what you're saying. How about a little Steve Smith? Steve Smith still has that dog in him. Steve Smith, yeah. uh, if I see you on the streets, I'm punching you in your face type of That's how it happens. But he still has that dog in him. I, I would love for, uh, uh, and he does, and we just don't see him. And you, we see the nice guy, Fitzgerald, uh, because he goes out there and show it with his actions. I can't argue with that. I wish I could. I wish I could just say, won't you get mad sometimes? He's mad <laughs> all the time. He goes into a game plan, and he sticks to his game plan, and most of that game plan has to do with can an offensive line protect, can a quarterback throw, can we establish a running game so eventually one of us can get the ball. I think he's one of the most unselfish players, and that's why we Oh, totally. Win. But you have I, to be I, selfish a little bit, don't you? Don't you have to be? That's your yeah, team. You, you do. That's how you become great. You have to have an ego. You have to be selfish at some point, but not where it costs. Not when every, the whole world hates you. And, and, I, and I say it all the time. I don't care who likes me. I don't care who hates me. They, they don't do anything for me outside of what I need to get done for myself. But it get, it it go it carries me through my day. And I'm not I'm not being rude to uh, disrespect anyone or or downgrade anyone. It's just who I am. I speak my mind. I say what I want to say. But I'm it's never too intentionally disrespect you or humiliate you. That makes sense? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of the things, you know, we've, we've talked about in the past, and I even have a whole chapter on it in the book, is that selfish. I mean, you need to be selfish. You need to have your own self-identity, be, be able to stand for something and speak your mind as this is what I think, this is what I believe, whether you believe it or not. I don't care because I'm talking about my beliefs, and you can't argue my beliefs. You can argue that you believe different, but you can't argue my beliefs. Yeah, I, I just don't. There is a disconnect. I'd say also with Calvin Johnson, we talked about him earlier, that there, if, if you're a number one receiver if in this league, if you're a top five receiver in this league, you don't have to be like Randy Moss. You don't have to be like Terrell Owens, but you have to have a little something extra that will show people that just because you're a receiver doesn't mean you can't lead a team. And I and I just don't. I know that he's there's something that's lacking a little bit. So um, we'll see what happens. I think we lost Kwame. Um, let's move to the NBA. The NBA season starts this evening. I'm really excited. This is uh, something I've been waiting for for a long time. Did my fantasy basketball draft. Got a pretty stacked lineup. Deborah, I know you're interested. So uh, we have the Miami Heat, Chicago Bulls this evening, and the Lakers and Clippers. 
Miami Heater, the odds-on favorite to win. Again, it's going to be a little bit closer this year because Indiana has made upgrades. Uh, the Bulls obviously have Derrick Rose back. The New Jersey, the Brooklyn Nets have brought in all of the Boston Celtics team to help them. So it'll really be a test of does veteran leadership win, which is the Brooklyn Nets. Does the young freak of nature Derrick Rose lead a probably a B minus C plus team without him to a championship, or does LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh do it again? Or do they do it again, I should say, if, with correct English. Uh, coming out of the West, you know, uh, Oklahoma City, but they're going to be without Russell Westbrook for about two months. Uh, you know, I really don't see any other team from the West coming out of there. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's Miami Heat's team to, uh, championship to lose. I don't think that the Bulls are as good as everybody thinks they are. I think Derrick Rose is going to be fine, but I've lived by my my statement that if your point guard is the, your leading scorer, you will not win a championship. And I, I th- Kwame, we back. All right. I, I think that with if Derrick Rose is the leading scorer on that team, then they will not beat the Miami Heat or anybody else for that matter. The one test that I that I think Miami will have the toughest time with, like they did last year, is the Indiana Pacers with Paul George, who's kind of an X factor player. He's too tall to to play the way he does, and that makes him even more even more difficult to guard and, and plan to defend. Uh, I just don't know. I'm just excited that it's going to happen. And with all the things circling this season, I do want to pose the question of, do you have a definition, Deborah and or Kwame, of a dynasty? Do you, think it, do you think the Bulls in the 90s were a dynasty because they were so dominant for a short period of time? Do you think that, that there could be more than one dynasty at a time? Do you think the San Antonio Spurs, with the 15 years that Tim Duncan, well, Tim Duncan's been in the league uh, however long, 17 years, 18 years, for the time that he's been there, they've been relevant almost every year. They've won four championships. They should have won last year. Do you think that you have to win every year to be a dynasty, or do you think relevancy uh, equates dynasty when you're not winning a championship in any sport, not just basketball? Well, I think relevancy certainly plays into it and plays into it at a very high level because the relevancy gives you, uh, it's got people, people are watching, people are paying attention to who you are and what you do and how you do it. Um, But I also, you know, again, your combination, it's tough to find that combination of what is it that really creates a dynasty because you can have individual players on a team that uh, don't create a championship team, but, you know, they're worth watching. And, you know, they, they bring relevancy to the game. Uh, just I, look at, you know, I'm going out of basketball, but go to even Tiger Woods. Now, it's tough to talk about dynasties when you're not talking about the, the team. But is he relevant? He's very relevant, obviously. Um, he's changed the sport. So I guess as I am talking, I'm talking out loud at this point, when you look at a team, have they changed the sport? Have they done anything to elevate the team and the sport? And to me, that would you know, be a very significant part of the definition for a dynasty. And what I mean by relevancy is becoming close to winning championships, being in the playoffs every year. Uh, with think, fo- with go ahead, go ahead, Kwame. Go ahead, yeah. I think we've seen a dynasty before happen at, um, at the same time. We watched the Los Angeles Lakers and we watched the Boston Celtics uh, compete back and forth. And at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, we look at those teams as dynasty teams that, that changed the sports. We look at Michael Jordan coming in, changing the sports, changing the game. That made everybody in a league uh, 
draft better, draft differently, uh, put a team together differently. We watched by putting a team together. We watched what happened in Chicago when Jordan, uh, after his third year, uh, we watched that team uh, come together like glue. And Deborah mentioned it. Uh, not so many players, uh, superstar status, but they come together to make a dynasty. And I think Chicago Bulls were one of those. I think the Detroit Pistons uh, were one of those. And the dynasty, as far as they was always relevant at some point, if not for an entire team. But maybe we can say the Detroit Pistons. You come in this and you come and play against them. You're gonna get beat up because they always had defense. And you can score, but the defense uh, uh, created offense for those guys. Uh, dynasty, I think you have to be relevant every year. Uh, you have to be in the mix every year. I'm not saying you making the playoffs and then you get knocked out. I'm talking about you getting down to the end game. You getting down to that game, and whether you win, lose, or draw it, whether you win or lose it, <laughs> that uh, you've always that team that um, in your conference team aspired to be, uh, like coming out of West. I think the Clippers uh, this year comes out of the West. <laughs> Still love Golden State Warriors and what they did. That young team, that young team has a great chance to be a dynasty if they can stick together. They have a great coach. They have a lot of good players. A lot, and some they have some uh, some great players. They got some good players. If they can stick together and build off what they did last year, uh, stay relevant, and get into the final games. But then you run into a real dynasty in the San Antonio Spurs, which is a dynasty, uh, and we're seeing this right before our eyes because. You can look at old tape. I know all of us watched basketball back in the day, and we saw the Boston Celtics. We saw the Lakers. We saw the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. We watched those teams, and now you have a 15. You have a team like the San Antonio Spurs right in front of our face. Could be a dynasty. Yeah. I think think part of it, too, is when you mention something like Detroit and you think of the bad boys coming out of Detroit, or you mention the Celtics, or you mention the Bulls, we don't necessarily think of the current teams. We think of the teams that came together in a culture, and when you when you name the team, you know exactly what you're up against, not necessarily the individual players, though they make it up, but you know what that energy of the team is going to be like when you're going to play against them. There's a certain culture that comes with that name. Yeah, when but, I say Detroit Pistons, I don't think about uh, Chauncey Billups and those guys. I think about Isaiah Thomas, uh, right. Michael. I think about uh, Lambeer, yeah. Rock. I think about uh, those guys when I say Detroit. But then, I, then it brings me back to the current time when Chauncey Billups and those guys won championships uh, while being there. Yeah, I mean, I, it it really comes down to the main definition of dynasty is can a t- is a franchise known as a dynasty like are the Lakers a dynasty as a franchise or is it only like the Bulls from from 90 uh 91 92 or uh, 90 yeah 91 92 to when Jordan retired the second time is that a dynasty i mean is can can it can a franchise be a dynasty for 10 years or is or is it a or is it a full thing so i mean i don't know we do have to take a break uh Kwame Lasseter sports talk Alex Nancy Deborah Debris in studio Kwame Lasseter on the phone we'll be back very very shortly flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Lancey, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame on the air. Just a uh, brief announcement. Next week, we will be on from 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, Arizona time, which is still 12, uh, yeah, 12 uh, uh, Eastern and, and 9 Pacific. But because we're the Wild West, we choose not to change our clocks at any time of the year. So uh, 10 o'clock next week. Uh, check us out, 10 to 11 in Arizona. Down and Dirty with Deborah. it's time. All right. I wanted to talk about, yeah, in the past we've talked a lot about emotions, and emotions being extremely important when it comes to be able to play at a high level. Um, the other thing I want to bring up is needs. Um, we as human beings all have certain needs, and one of the things that uh, I have found with whether I'm dealing with a corporate executive or an entrepreneur or football players is that one of their needs is significance, to be able to feel important, be special, and be unique from anybody else. The other thing that's important is certainty. Uh, all of us need certainty in our lives. We want to know that whenever, um, you know, if you do X, then you're going to get a certain result from it. And one of the things that really trips up people, especially in a high level of performance where they're always putting themselves at risk, is that feeling of uncertainty. I mean, there, you know, the reality is when you're going out on a football field, you don't know, you know, if a play is going to go well. You don't know if you're going to win. You don't know if you're going to be the one that screws it up and loses the game for the rest of the play, uh, for the rest of the team. Um, and that uncertainty is what trips people up big time on the sidelines, in the game, day before the game. Um, you know, it, it's a, it brings up a level of fear that runs throughout um, any league or any corporate office. The other thing that I find to be a common thread throughout a lot of my players is connection. It's that connection not only with the other teammates, uh, connection with family. Uh, there's a lot of ways of looking at connection. Now, 
the thing is that's important about this is not only to recognize, you know, what are your needs, and there's other needs as well, but we don't have enough time to go through them all, but to recognize what are your needs and also what are the needs of your teammates. Um, when I work with a player, one of the things that I identify, I identify up front is um, looking at their needs and then saying, well, how can we use those needs, noting that that's what, noting that that's what drives you forward, um, how can we take something like um, the need for certainty and take uncertainty out of as many places as we can, uh, which is where things like imagination and that type of thing take place, where we can go into deep visionary and create um, a play, create a situation prior to it occurring so the mind and the brain and the heart and the, the emotions can calm down and realize that you've already been there, so therefore it becomes instinctual when you get out on the field. When you look at connection, it's finding ways to connect. And interesting enough, that could be the connection of just the, the visual effect of, you know, when you put your hands on the football, that becomes a trigger. You know, when you touch the ground, if you're, on, if you're at the line and you, you know, take your stance and touch the ground, that could be a connection, a grounding that will give you the feeling that you need in order to be dominant on the field. There's a number of ways to do this, but I just want to bring up the idea that to be uh, create motivation, elevation, and then be able to sustain that, it's important to know and understand what your needs are and then to be able to use them for your benefit. Down and dirty with Deborah. You're, yeah, you're good. Hey, Kwame, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, what was your preparation like? Like, what was your emotional stance and and your um, connection like right before you started the game for your triggers before you went on the field? Uh, it was, you know, it was. I went out prior to and smelled the grass, smelled the atmosphere, because mm-hmm. uh, it always reminded me on Saturday morning when I was growing up playing football. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, as I walk around today, when you when you smell freshly cut grass, it just feels like Saturday morning. You bought a you know, the ocean and it's football season on a Saturday for kids. I went out uh, prior to do some stretching, jog up and down, get loose a little bit, but smell the grass, smell the atmosphere. And then I went back because my preparation had already been done up to that point as far as watching film and going through practice. It became deja vu to me. So whenever I saw that play, I've seen it before, and I just went out there and played fast. So, uh, so that was that's my preparation. And whenever, whenever you mow your grass, do you just want to go hit somebody? Is that when it's freshly uh, cut? Is that is that a direct correlation? I doubt Moses grass. <laughs> uh, yeah, mow my grass. What are you talking about? Hit <laughs> <laughs> my nails. But the thing, the thing is, I like about that is, um, I mean, that's bringing in your past history. It's bringing in a time when you were able to um, play and have fun, you know, uh, with football, and then bringing that current into now that you are an adult and you're on the football field to be able to have that same type of feeling to bring it up in the moment and have that trigger uh, to take all the preparation you've done up to that point and now ground yourself in being right here, right now, present, ready to play. Yeah, a lot of guys, they, they, on Sundays or let's say Saturdays, uh, they, they say it's all business. Well, it is business, but you forget to have fun. And, and, and those, those games, I remember football most when I had fun. So I take yep. it back to Gosnell Hope Park, uh, Anderson Park, uh, when I played ball, Doris Miller in Newport News, Virginia. I take it back to all those days where we had fun and there was no point, not even close to saying, I'm going pro or I want to make some money from doing this. We had fun and we wanted to beat the team up the street. 
And the thing is that's interesting about that is when we've talked in the past about hypnosis and some of those type of things that, you know, what you're talking about is really putting yourself in a bit of a trance. And we do it all the time just by storytelling, that by you bringing up some of the things that you have done in the past, it takes anybody else listening to us back to, okay, so what is it that I do? What was, where was I connected when I was having fun? And just by doing that, that's a level of a trance. A lot of entertainers, uh, they do that. It's funny that you mention that. Well, it's not funny, but it's, it's interesting you mention that. It's important. That. <laughs> See, a lot of, a lot of entertainers, uh, professionals, they, they actually put themselves in trance to able to do their job because they go back to where it's meaningful, uh, to them, where it makes sense. And, Absolutely. And you don't, if you don't pay attention to it, you won't be able to see that. They actually put themselves in the trance, and then after they put themselves in the trance, they get the whole audience, or let's say the stadium, they get the crowd in- involved, and they put those crowds in the trance, and you just see people go crazy for them, and it's just a game. And let's say it's, it's, a, it's a fun event, but people come there to have fun and root on their team. People come to a concert and hear their favorite song when they have the album at home. That's yeah, the, well, that's the thing, and that's the, they lose track of time and space, and they're just in the moment enjoying that moment, and the worries and uh, everything else goes away. And un- unfortunately, we are about out of time. I remember t- ten o'clock tomorrow, or ten o'clock next Tuesday, ten to eleven is the time change. Deborah Debris, yourclearedge dot com, six one two five five six. I don't know your number. Oh, four eight zero two one two nineteen oh nine. I got one of the numbers right. There you go, Kwame. Check out Kwame on his blogs. I'm sure he's starting to blog again too. Um, reached out to me. Rand Sports reached out to me. How dare they? <laughs> they reached out to you? Yeah, they can forget about it, though. But here's, here's what I want to say real quick. Um, you know, Andy Walker, professional tour player, says, Deborah Debris is my 15 club. That's huge. When, you, when you're talking about golf, you can always reach in your bag and get that 15 club, which what you talked about a second ago is being able to go back to that trance, being, being able to hear somebody's voice. Uh, that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, he's a good guy. Awesome. Well, uh, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in the studio, Kwame Lasseter. He will be back in studio next week, I believe. We will see huh. you all next week at 10 a.m. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.